2: For we, we don't have to live in a world without peace. I have absolutely abundant life, Jesus said, overflowing life. But then John begins to talk, that lifestyle that God wants for you and for me is hindered by something. Everything good that God wants for us is hindered by something. Here's what it's hindered by. It's a little word called S-I-N.
0: The great news begins with God himself and with us. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. But this is a big problem with us because on our own we walk in the darkness. This means that we cannot walk with God, with whom there can be no darkness. This is the central problem of mankind, even when we don't recognize it. We. Are in darkness and God is light and the two can never meet. But if we walk in the light and we have fellowship with Him, this is the very reason that Jesus, light of the world, was sent into this dark and weary world. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of First John, chapter 1, verse 5, for part one of our message entitled Sin hinders our walk with God.
2: Uh, when we fly, I usually try to pray for divine appointments, and God gave us one going and gave us one coming. We were on our last stretch. We had to go from India over to Dubai. That took us around 10 12 hours of flying and waiting time and stuff. When we got to Dubai, um, we headed out back to Dulles. That was a 14-hour flight. And uh, when we do those flights, you guys prayed. So we had Lynn and I in the economy. We had a seat between us. Thank you, Jesus. It's like going to heaven. It's like business class, but it isn't business class. So thank you. Next time I go, I'm making sure you guys pray again. Well, during that 14 hours, uh, I usually sleep a lot. Linda sleeps a lot. We're, we're fortunate enough to do that. Uh, but usually we walk quite often too so that we don't get clots in our legs and all that kind of thing. Well, I do know during the night, because at around two thirty-three in the morning, I usually go to the back of the big plane because there's a flight attendants back there that they're serving little snacks to people. whatever They can't go anywhere and they really have nobody to talk to. <sighs> So I got involved with a guy I want to share you. As soon as I finished with him, I talked with him about 20 minutes. He was a flight attendant. He was actually born in the Middle East. Uh, he worked many years before he was a flight attendant as a psychologist. He, he was very eclectic about his beliefs. They were like all over the place, although he was raised amazingly in the Middle East in a Christian home and had church Christian school his whole life. We began talking, and he said these things to me. I pray every day. I read the Bible sometimes, I go to church Easter and Christmas, and my job prevents me from going more often. I've seen evil in the church, including evil religious leaders. And I says, well, uh, that's true, we're we're humans, people in the pulpit are just like anybody else. What do you mean? Well, it happened to be that as a psychologist, he worked with many of those students up in the Boston area who were abused by the priests. so that gave him this skew on everything so he says i i really not into christianity and and uh, you know i'm just not into that and then he said this i'm i'm a good person and i treat people well and i treat them with respect so then we began I, I challenged him with a couple of other things and then he said this i don't sin except in my mind and thus it's not a sin i don't need to be forgiven because i never act on those sinful thoughts. Sound went like this, time out, time out. And I began to tell him in a nice way, well, no, no, Jesus said, out of the heart comes all this evil stuff out of our mind. In fact, Jesus said, you know, the Old Testament says, don't commit adultery. Jesus said, if you even think about it in your mind, you've already sinned. You've already committed adultery. And we went on, and pretty soon I just said to him, because it was kind of coming to a close. I said, I, I want to leave you some things to think about. Since you have background, you're not clueless to what I'm going to tell you. And so I left these little truths to him. I talked about faith. And I said, like life, Christianity is based on faith. It's not a jump in the dark. We have lots of proofs that, uh, of the Bible and God and Jesus and heaven. And I said, you know, you live by faith like me, I'm on this plane because I have faith in the pilot. I have faith in the mechanics. I have faith in the engineers that built the plane. By the way, it wasn't a 787. Hallelujah. And I said, what, what picture you have about Christianity is not correct. You think Christianity is a bunch of rules and rituals. You think it's a religious kind of a deal. I said, it's not. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I said, you you don't, you don't can't get to church often? That doesn't ever have to interfere with your personal relationship. You can get up every morning, and through prayer and reading of the Word and confessing your sins, you can have that. You can work on that vibrant personal relationship. And then I said, I'm going to leave you with these things, because I know they're true. You might not agree with me, but I'm going to leave you with these things. Good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. And only forgiven people go to heaven because they've asked Jesus, who's the only one that can give us forgiveness and begin that relationship with Jesus Christ. And then I stopped and went back to my seat. Now, you might be saying, "This Best, Pastor Mark, thanks for sharing your divine appointment. That was cool. Neat that you got to interact with that guy. But what does any of that stuff that you just said to me here in Melbourne and Vere and Sebastian in the war camp, what does any of that have to do with me? I don't plan to fly to Dubai. I'm not going to get on any 14 hour flight. I don't care where it goes to. And I certainly wouldn't go to the back and try to interview some guy. So what does it have to do with me? Everything. Outside our campuses right now, there's hundreds of thousands of people that are just as confused as this guy. They're clueless. I, I never, I never ask forgiveness because I never sin. Really? He was serious. So what do we do with that? How do we solve that? Well, I was put there for that reason. You're put here for this reason. I'm in this town for this reason. To share people the truth that John is writing to these churches. You see, 2000 years ago, the same kind of confusion that this guy had, is the same we're going to read about today. So we're going to look at it, and John's going to speak to us a lot. Now let me just back up. Turn, if you will, in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. And, and let me give you a preview of where we've been. John is writing this book. We call it Know That You Know That You Know That You Know, that you know because people don't know truth. Belief matters. It's very important you know what you believe because that's who you'll become. That's how you live. So John started talking about in the first few verses of this relationship that he was an eyewitness that Jesus was real. And he had a relationship with Jesus for those three and a half years that was personal. It wasn't religion. And then when Jesus went back to heaven... John said, the Holy Spirit came to live in me and I continued that personal relationship. Now here's what this man on the plane doesn't didn't understand and what so many, even in our campuses today, don't understand. God designed us to be in relationship with him. Once that, watch me, once man and God get together, that relationship brings joy. In fact, we read a couple of weeks ago, full joy doesn't matter what the circumstances, life is very difficult. But we can have joy knowing that our outcome is going to be okay. We have hope. We have hope for today. We have hope for heaven. We have shalom, peace. We we don't have to live in a world without peace. I have absolutely abundant life, Jesus said, overflowing life. But then John begins to talk, that lifestyle that God wants for you and for me is hindered by something. Everything good that God wants for us is hindered by something. Here's what it's hindered by. It's a little word called S. I. N. Now this gentleman on the plane didn't understand sin. Sin at its basis is simply this. Take a look at it. S. What's in the middle? I. N. Sin is simply you. Wanting to do life by yourself, nobody telling you, I, I will decide how to do my life. Well, that's where, where sin came from. Adam and Eve caused the problem at the beginning. We'll see that as we go through. So when you begin to see that word sin, it's, it's not a politically correct word. In many of our churches, you can go to a church for a whole year and you will never hear the word sin. But First John is filled with the word sin. I mean, when Jesus came, what was one of the predictions? He will save his people from their sins. But we never hear it. This guy was clueless. He had 12 years of religious training. He didn't understand sin. So I want to talk about that today. Because that's what hinders. Well, look at 1 John chapter 1. Verse 5, all of our campuses. John says this, This is a message we have heard from him, and we declare to you. God is light, that's his nature, and there is no darkness at all. God is light, sin is a picture of darkness. God's character is light. That means holy and pure and sinless. Darkness and sin... So what happens is, when man sins, when you and I sin, watch me, here, here's, here's light, here's God, holy, here's man. When man sins, man was in the beginning in relationship with God. They walked together, they enjoyed time, all of that happens. When Adam and Eve sinned, it broke the fellowship. Sin always separates. So here's sinful man, and here's holy God. Everything that God wanted for Adam and Eve. Paradise, perfect, abundant, blessings, joy, peace, relationship, all of that was broken by sin. So how do we deal with it? How do we restore that relationship? And it all comes down to our beliefs, what's really happening. Now, God knew that man couldn't solve his sin problem. God knew that man couldn't do it. So what he did was he solved it for us. Take take a look at this verse right here, and you'll see what that looks like. He, God, is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, and he forgave. Say it with me at all our campuses. He forgave our, our sins. So man couldn't do it, but God did do it. He did it through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, when that happens in your life, initially, when your sins are forgiven initially, that's called salvation, or born again, or becoming a Christian. There's a point in your life when you must admit you're a sinner... You'll see that today. Be sorry for your sins. Sorry enough. The word is repent to change lifestyle. That's a huge deal in our in our teaching today. And then begin to follow him. See, event is salvation. Lifestyle is following Jesus. We We don't come to Christ just to get a free pass to heaven. We come to Christ to restore that relationship. So we're in relationship with God 24-7. How does that work? Here's the next thing you want to write. Walking with God requires one thing. Ongoing obedience to his word. Ongoing obedience. Not, not a one-time deal. And I, I emphasize that because of what you're going to see in the teaching today, all over campuses. Now, as you're writing that down, I want you to look up me. And, and here's a philosophy in your mind that you're going to have to understand. Many people when they think of Christianity or the Bible, they think of this. Well, it's a bunch of rules and regulations. Everything God says here, no, no, don't, you can't, don't buy baby. Well, let me give you an illustration of how that works. You're a parent. You have a new child, child's one and a half, two, just kinda of learning to walk and kinda of to feel things out. You walk out in the front yard and you're talking with a neighbor. And you dis- distracted for a moment, and your child toddling right to the street where the cars are coming. Now, if you are uh, you notice that right away, what would you do, parent? Come and tell me, oh, you. What would you do? Let's hear it. You go, stop! And then what would you do? You run over and what? Pull them from, from danger. Am I right? Now, ask me, why did you do that? Because I'm the parent. (laughs) No, you did it because what? You love your child. Every commandment that God ever gave us is because he loves us. He's trying to pull us from danger. But the enemy says, oh, you don't want to serve that God. Look at that. Don't do this. Don't do that. No, no. Every commandment. In fact, the Bible says they're not grievous. They're for our good. Now, if you're ever going to grow in your walk with God, you have to get that mentality. If you think because you come to church and God says you can't do this, like we talked about, all kinds of things, you can't do this because this is good for you. You need to do this. Well, I don't think every. No, no, no. It's ongoing obedience is the only way you'll restore fellowship with God. And so, get that in your mindset. This is not bad. This is good. In fact, that's what we're teaching today. That's why John wrote this. Now, in verses 6 through 10, there's three contrasts. John writes about individuals that said they're in fellowship with God, but probably not. So we begin to look at them. All three of them will start with this terminology, if we claim Now, remember, if we... John's going to put himself in there because all of us could fit in here. Here we go, verse 6. Take a look, all of our campuses. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, in sin. Walk means a lifestyle. We lie and we do not live by the truth. So there's some people who say they're following God They're living in sin. It's a lifestyle of sin. Well, there's lots of words in the Bible that relate to sin. I want you to just hold your finger right where you're at. Turn to Ephesians, just back a little bit. Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to show you two specific ones today. There's more than that, but just two. So here's Ephesians, about uh, five or eight books, somewhere up in that area. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And when you get there, I'm going to ask you to underline or circle two words in verses 1 to 2, okay? Paul writes it like this. As for you, you were dead spiritually before they became Christians. You were dead in your, circle this word, in your transgressions and sins. Circle that word, and I'll show you what it means in a moment. In which you used to live when you follow the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Satan, and the spirit who is now at work in those, watch this, who are disobedient. Sin is simply rebellion and disobedience. Disobedience to the word of God. So what does that transgression look like? Here, here's the definition. I want you to write it. Because you need to understand what that is. Here we go. Transgression is a deliberate, willful act of disobedience. Notice the sign says, wet paint. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. So Paul says, in our lives, sometimes we deliberately chose to do wrong. What is sin? It's rebellion. Uh, Transpesses are sins which we commit knowing it's wrong. Now, how many of you ever saw... A sign that said, do not touch wet paint. You already know where I'm going, don't you? But you put your finger on that sucker. Come on, let's see your finger. You put it right there, did you? And you wonder, nobody's seen it happens. You see, we did that because, well, it was deliberate. We didn't go, oh, sorry, I didn't see that was there. No, we did it. All of us have a problem with transgressions. We've all lied. We've all stolen. One of the commandments is to love your neighbor as yourself. We've omitted that. We have a neighbor we can't stand. So I'm deliberately not obeying it. Can I hear an amen out there from somebody? All right. So one of the things is there's things God says don't to do and, and we deliberately do them. By the way, when Adam and Eve sinned, what kind of sin did they make? Transgression. They deliberately ate the fruit. Am I right? It wasn't like, oh, we made a mistake. No, it looks so good. Here's the next one. I ask you to circle the word sins. This is a good one. Sin. Trying to do the right thing. Not deliberate now. I'm trying to do the right thing. But I simply fail. And the the original word in the language means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. We try. Our intentions are good. We just blow it. When you begin to think about some of this... It's hard for us. You see, the Bible says, love is to be patient. Well, I want to be patient. I want to obey God. I'm trying to be patient. I'm driving, and I look in my rear view mirror, and this guy is in my trunk. How many of you are going to miss the mark? Let me me see your hand. In a million ways. Speed up, slow down. Why are you laughing? We're just a bunch of sinners, aren't we? You'll see that later. Exactly right. So see, as you begin to understand that, sin is simply living independent from God. Sometimes we don't care. Sometimes I try, but I never succeed. God's instructions on how to do life right are good for me. Unlike this gentleman in the plane, he had it wrong. So you need to write this down because this is how you explain to others and explain to us what sin is involved. Sin is anything, thoughts, actions, attitudes against God and His Word. So it is thoughts, it is actions, it's even attitude. Standing in the corner, you say to your daughter son time out go stand in the corner they're standing but they say to their inside what are they saying i'm standing but i'm sitting right down baby <laughs> well is that it i'm obeying you god i'm obeying you god i hate it but i'm obeying you i'm doing right i'm actually doing right but i hate it well no that's a sin it doesn't matter what you're doing outwardly it's all about the heart out of the heart comes evil things now go back to first john 1 6 so What is this this wrong belief? What is the wrong belief? If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not live in the truth. Walk in darkness means to persist in sin.
0: This world is hard. It may feel like we get beat up by the world all the time, but God has something better for you. He has a life full of joy, hope, peace, and love. But there's something that continually gets in the way of that life. It's called sin. Sin always separates us from the relationship that God desires to have with us. God knew that man couldn't solve this sin problem, so he sent Jesus, his own son, to restore that relationship. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to lessonsforlivingradio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we will see that God doesn't want us to live a life full of darkness because of the price that Jesus paid for us when He died on the cross. We have an invitation to live as children of the light. We can choose to walk in a relationship with Jesus, or we can choose to continue to walk in darkness. They're completely different lives. One brings joy, hope, and peace. The other brings death. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: seen and our ears have heard, His Word made flesh in a hurting world, a new hope He is giving, Lord let us hear your lessons for living, Lord, let us hear your lessons for living, Lord,